Celebrate Venus Fashion Week and discover new, fun, sexy fall styles while saving at Venus. For a limited time, only use the promo code PUMPKIN and get $20 off instantly when you spend $100 or more. Visit venus.com and use the promo code PUMPKIN to save during Venus Fashion Week. Welcome to Courtney Beyond the Cake, stories that inspire, uplift, and fill your soul with joy, much like cake. As a registered dietitian nutritionist, Devry Pettit spent years helping others find balance and feel good with meal planning and coaching. However, as Devry planned each new meal for her clients and coached them along their wellness journey, she saw many men and women who seemed to get so focused on the number on the scale or what food was good and what food was bad that they lost sight of what Dev was really trying to teach them. And that was how to have a healthy relationship with food and with yourself so that they could ultimately live and eat intuitively without being trapped by a diet mentality. Devry has since stopped meal planning for clients and now focuses on nutrition therapy. In today's episode of Courtney Beyond the Cake, Devry gives us insight into what diet culture is and why it can be harmful, how to break free from it, and ultimately why it's important to even recognize it in today's society. Deb has her bachelor's degree in nutrition and food science from Utah State University, as well as her master's degree from Stony Brook University in New York. Deb now has her own private practice here in Utah, where she coaches clients virtually and in person, and she's one of the nutrition therapists at Mindful Counseling in Provo, Utah. She's also a mom of four, a wife, a foodie, and loves to cook. Welcome, friends. I'm excited to have you back to another episode of Courtney Beyond the Cake. And today, as you heard, we are talking to my friend, Devry Pettit, uh, a nutrition therapist. There's so much I want to cover. So I'm going to just like go right into it. First of all, I would love to get to know your background a little bit more. Um, so why don't you go ahead and just introduce yourself to our friends and let us know kind of your background and what you've been doing and what you do for work. Okay. So I'm a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and I I do like the term nutrition therapist a little bit better. (laughs) Um, So I went to school um, at Utah State um, in nutrition and food science. And then to become a dietitian, you have to do a year long internship. Mine happened to be coupled with a master's degree. So I got like killing two birds with one stone, which was really nice, which helped because I got pregnant in the middle of my internship. And so... Um, I have worked at Lifetime Fitness. I used to have a business that we did primarily meal plans online and it just wasn't working for me anymore. And, um, I've transitioned and I've done a lot of work and research and, uh, just really put a lot of heart into relearning a lot of things that I thought I used to know. And so right now I work, um, I have my own private practice called Happily Fed And then I also work um, at Mindful Counseling in Orem. So I work with people who have been chronic dieters, have a disordered relationship with food, body, and exercise, or have eating disorders. Okay. And when we first met, you were working um, with your friend Breck and you guys were doing an Instagram together. And that's when you were doing a lot of that meal planning. When you say, and I want to talk about what you're doing now, but I'm curious when you say you, it just wasn't working for you at that point, what was going on? What wasn't working in that space? So I think this is really common for people in my field because we have a lot of training in creating meal plans in um, uh, really being scared of the quote unquote obesity epidemic and wanting to help people be healthy. And I just saw a lot of harm in promoting weight loss. I saw a lot of food obsession and disordered behaviors 
And it got very concerning for me and I didn't want to do that anymore. I wanted to help solve the problem instead Mm -hmm. of contribute to it. Um, I would say because I was introduced to intuitive eating, which we'll get into, um, while I was studying nutrition that the book came out in 1995 and it's a lot, was a lot different then. There was some emphasis on weight, but Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch, the authors have been very open about their ability to evolve and recognize harm and keep moving forward. And I really, really appreciate that because a lot of dietitians have experienced this. Mm-hmm. Um, the research shows this, my experience working with people showed this, and it's just a much more peaceful way to live with food and body. Yeah. So now you've transitioned over from the meal planning and some of the weight loss talk to more of the intuitive eating mindset. Um, and you talk a lot about the diet culture and trying to break free from the diet culture and living non-diet based lives. Can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah. So I'm super passionate about knowing what diet culture is and calling it out. I didn't always know the word for diet culture or the phrase, but I felt it completely felt it. Um, so diet culture is a system of beliefs that, put certain bodies um, on a pedestal and sets as the barometer of health. Um, and it really praises and idolizes those bodies. It also um, idolizes certain foods and demonizes others. And I think it's really helpful to think of a diet as being anything that controls what, when, or how much you eat. Um, so even like if you go out to lunch with your girlfriends and you're comparing your plate to someone else's plate, And worrying about that, that's preventing you from turning inward, turning inward to listen to your body cues and sensations, enjoy the eating experience because you're worried um, that people are judging you based on what you eat or comparing what you're eating to someone else. A lot of people, and even myself in the past, we have seen success with with weight loss and wellness goals when we are, are on specific diets, whether it's keto or macros, maybe it's low carb. But you say in the long run, that mindset, the diet culture mindset is actually harmful to us. Why is that? So first I want to say that I think it's normal to feel better when you first go on a diet or try those things, because I feel like it's giving you an opportunity to focus on yourself um, and to um, have some helpful aspects of it. But I will say that nourishing your body will always take a backseat if weight loss is the goal. Mm. So I think- Explain that a little bit more. What do you mean? So if you are so focused on a certain number or losing weight, you don't have the ability to really focus on nourishing your body, to have enough energy, to get enough nutrition in, to find foods that feel satisfying. And by satisfaction, I mean that you are able to eat and enjoy the eating experience and move on with your day and your time until hunger comes back, which it will, Mm -hmm. and to anticipate that. And I think that we need to kind of redefine what success is. I think we see moments of success when people are sharing their quote-unquote success stories Um, of these diets, we only see a moment of time. We don't see their side effects. We don't see the backlash and we don't see what happens in like two to five years. And I do, I see it every day. Um, And so I think it's really important to get curious about what success is and that the research shows that 95% of diets fail, that when you seek intentional weight loss, 
that within two to five years, the weight comes back and oftentimes more weight comes back. Why do you think that is? Um, I think it is a protective mechanism that our body has, that our body knows what's safe for us. I used to do um, body uh, calorie tests that they would breathe, they would fasten and breathe into a mask and we would like compare those. And every time I saw that, um, metabolism would lower every time someone lost weight. And I want to be careful saying that because I like to be very careful about the language I use. And sometimes that can be perceived as a uh, fat phobic and I want to embrace body diversity and make everyone feel comfortable in their bodies. Um, but I think that's an explanation and it's that the diet is failing you and you are not failing the diet that your body's trying to protect you. Well, and it's so interesting. And I think if people are out there are like me, that's just kind of always torn, right? Cause I do, I, I feel the same way. Like I want to embrace who I am and what I look like at whatever stage I'm at. And I want to talk about that some more kind of those two mindsets of like self-love and then also taking care of ourselves, um, physically and mentally. But I'm curious because a lot of people are recommended by doctors to lose weight for health reasons. And they're given specific diets or um, lifestyles they're supposed to follow. So what do you say in those moments when someone comes to you and says, well, Dev, a doctor told me I have to lose weight and I have to be on this diet? I think there are three very important things to remember and consider when we're talking about doctors, which they're very smart and very educated, um, but they do not have specific training in nutrition. Um, and so. And I also believe that they don't provide enough informed consent. And often they give just like these blanket recommendations or do this and this without saying that um, we, we don't know how your body is going to respond to this intervention, just like if you were to go on a medication. Like we don't know how your body is going to respond um, and that they, we don't know how um, this will affect you mentally. If you might become more obsessed with food, we don't know how long the weight will come off. We don't have any research to support that. Um, and that it, they also, the third thing is that they, they often make in assumptions about bodies just by looking at them. I have so many clients that are in at higher weights or larger bodies that don't have the symptoms that people talk about at being a higher weight, no diabetes, no high blood pressure, no um, blood sugar problems or anything like that. And without even really getting to the root of the problem, they're just assuming that the weight is causing mm. that and we don't know. And that's weight stigma. Weight stigma is also known as weight bias or weight-based discrimination. It's stereotyping or discriminating against a person based on their weight. In weight-related research, weight stigma is never accounted for. Not only does weight stigma increase the risk for developing diabetes or heart disease, it also physically increases the stress in the body, and stress is a well-known to be detrimental to health. So how people are treated because of the size of their body matters mm -hmm. in terms of health, and that people in larger bodies are less likely to go see the doctor because they don't want to get a weight lecture um, they don't want to be weighed. They don't want to know the number and um, they are afraid. And so there's this really good example that if you read research or you just read the headline that um, women with 
in larger bodies are um, more likely to develop cervical cancer. But if you really dive into it and really think about it, those women are less likely to go to the doctor. They're less, more likely actually to have um, pretty terrible experiences with the doctor and doctors not spending time. And so they prolong getting their regular examinations. And so when there are polyps or things that they're more progressed and they have a more um, expanded or enhanced version of the disease and they could have caught it sooner. And that happens a lot. And so I think um, a couple things, if you're going to the doctor, you don't have to get weighed. There are pregnancy and getting medication. Sometimes there are situations where it might be more necessary, but you can be blind weighed and ask not to know the number. I don't think that number. I've is, done that for the last seven yeah, years. Deb. I don't think that's <laughs> helpful. And, um, I think it's also being able to advocate for yourself and say, like, I um, have an eating disorder history and this isn't helpful information for me. That's the other thing I doctors are not asking about um, a, a person's past relationship with food or how much they've dieted or how much they've tried. And likely a lot of these people have tried absolutely everything. And so I just think the assumptions are really harmful. Yeah. So what do you recommend doing in that moment? I mean, I, I want to go over kind of breaking free from the diet mentality, but when we feel, or someone may feel like they can't trust the doctor or they're scared to just go to their, their doctor because of what they may say about their weight, what do you do in that moment? So I think being prepared, I have a lot of clients that have so much anxiety about going to the doctor. So we come up with a game plan of like what you're going to say. And a lot of times it doesn't happen the way they think. And it's a really relieving. But I think one of the best questions to ask is to ask your doctor, what would you recommend to someone in a smaller body? Mm. So if you go in and you have knee problems, a thinner person wouldn't get the recommendation, oh, you need to lose weight and your knee problem will go away. They get um, physical therapy or uh, supplements for joint issues, um, uh, strength building exercises. But if someone in a larger body goes in, they just automatically tell them to lose weight. And that is exactly what weight stigma is. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you. Okay. So what what do you recommend? How do we break free from the diet culture mentality? So there are three specific things that I think you should do. The first one is to be aware. So you can't really do anything about it if you're not aware of it. I think awareness is really powerful. It gives you something to do about something. Um, I think to recognize the harm of diet culture, and I guarantee the people listening to this have firsthand experienced the harm of trying diet after diet and what's that that's done to your body and your mind. Um, and then I think it's really important to choose to separate from that. And by that, I mean like completely separate yourself from that. Um, you cannot straddle the fence. What do you mean by that? Um, so you can't, um, I, I, for example, this is my personal example um, I get emails all the time of like supplement companies or um, different kind of brands um, or food brands that maybe I do like and use some of them, 
But because of their branding and the way they promote it, it's very diet culture-y. And so I just don't promote it. Like it doesn't align with my values. It doesn't align with the work that I do. I think certain people take that information and use it in harmful ways. And so that's just for me an example of how I don't straddle the the fence. If I think it looks or smells or feels like diet culture, it is. And um, I don't, I don't promote it. The, okay. Did you hit all three? Yeah. Did I hit, okay. That, and the kids just had great experiment. Yeah. <laughs> Wanting to lose weight is a real thing for many, many people. I have been there. There are days I am still there, you know, depending on how much cake I've eaten, but I totally believe in also loving ourselves as God created us and loving ourselves in every stage of life that we're in. However, that may look on us physically, but I also believe in trying to be our best selves so we can take care of ourselves and be our best self, you know, in a healthy life and a long life. How can we, how do we balance both of those feelings that of wanting to be our best selves physically and mentally, as well as trying to practice self-love no matter how we look. Oh, this could be like a whole entire (laughs) one podcast episode. Like this is something I'm super passionate about. Um, I want to validate that the desire to be thin is very real. Like that is a real desire and you're not, you're not bad or wrong for wanting that desire because we live in a culture that overvalues thinness and attaches productivity and athleticism, um, to really taking care of ourselves. And I think that we tend to seek approval from these things. Well, I know it. (laughs) And, um, I, I'm curious if you really believe that God cares about what our body looks like or loves us any less. And I think that's, a worthwhile question to ask. I and I also am not like a huge fan of body love or self-love. I'd rather use the words body kindness or body respect Why? because I think that implies perfection. Like I oh. love myself and I think it's okay to not love everything about mm-hmm. your body, but just because you don't love everything about it, about your body doesn't mean you can't be kind to it or respect it. I love that. It's, and it's very true. I think we hear self-love a lot, which I get it's a positive, affirmative relationship that we need to have with ourselves mentally, physically, spiritually, and all these different aspects. Um, but it, you know, as I sit here and think about it, it, it does feel like that's a lot. Like I need to love everything about me, but this idea of being kind to myself, no matter what is just, I think so powerful. So thank you for that. And I also think it's body respect is about accepting your body. Like we all have different shapes and sizes of bodies. Um, and then to have gratitude for your body and then to practice respectful behaviors. And I don't think that going after diet or after diet or always focusing on weight loss as your goal is very respectful of your body. So give me some examples of what is respectful things that you can do to be kind to yourself, to your body, and to be respectful to your body. So stop comparing your body to other bodies, which is super hard. Um, even comparing to how your body used to look like. Oh, I'm so guilty of this, Dev. I, oh my gosh, I know you guys are out there and you've done it and you've started to look at pictures from two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. And I know I'll sit there and be like, 
what what happened? Cause those cake candles on the (laughs) side are bigger than they used to be. And that's a hard one. I have a harder time not comparing myself to my old self than I do to someone else. Yeah. I think when you are looking at pictures and you see that, I think it's helpful to, um, think about the moment that you are, that's happening Mm -hmm. in the picture, try to remember the memories and the good times, and then reflect on like, what behaviors, what was I engaging in to have that body? Mm -hmm. Like what was going on that created that size body for me? Mm -hmm. And ask yourself, was that helpful, respectful behavior or was it harmful? Was I obsessed with it? What was I doing? How much time and energy was I spending to a, to a quote unquote achieve that. And to also recognize that the human body is meant to change. And that just like, I am not the same person that I was five years ago. Yeah. So why would I expect my body to be exactly the same? I think that's a huge point. And I, and I did, I had to catch myself in that moment as I compared my legs when Avery was 18 months to my legs today, you know, and just think about everything that's happened in between those, you know, five years. And that's not always easy, but I love kind of that checklist that you just gave and think that's one's a a really good one to remember anything else. I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, so also respecting your body is to make sure that you are feeding your body with enough food, consistent food and satisfying foods so that you spend less time engaging in those behaviors because a starved brain is hyper-focused on body and hyper-focused on food. And there's a really interesting fact that I was reading about the other day, um, how a starved brain has a really intense recall of food. So you can remember like everything you ate in a day. Mm -hmm. And when you have a fed brain, your brain is taking up energy thinking about other things. So I had a client just today who um, I had to ask her mom to like pay attention to what she'd been eating, um, having the mom do it for me and to get like a recall of what she was eating. And she's like, and I asked her how that experience was for her. And she said, it was hard because I couldn't remember everything I ate. And I was like, that is a good sign. Like it's a good sign to not recall everything you ate in a day. Interesting. I would have never thought of that, but that's a great little tip um, to be mindful and respectful of our bodies and how to do that. So, okay. One thing that I told you I wanted to talk about, because you brought this up recently on your Instagram. Again, that's happily fed. Okay. So the other day I ran into my friend and I know that she has been trying to lose some weight and I noticed that she had lost some weight. And so I just kind of quietly, you know, cause there was other people around just went up to her and said, Hey, you know, I, I noticed you lost a little weight or I said, you know, I said, did you lose a little weight? And she smiled back and she said, yeah, I did. And I can't remember exactly what I said, but it was probably something around like really proud of you. I know that's been hard. You know, you look great kind of thing and complimented her weight loss and how she looks. And then I'm not kidding, Deb, I got on Instagram less than a week later and you were talking about why complimenting weight loss, weight loss is not a good thing. And I felt so bad, but then again, here I am with like these two mentalities because I know what it feels like to work hard at something, right? To really work hard at something that doesn't come easy to you and have someone notice it and compliment you for it. Right. Um, and so I don't know, I'm like torn between this like space of like, but isn't it a valid thing? Like, isn't it a good thing to validate someone's success there? 
but there's some harmful impacts there. So explain that to me a little bit. So I think that's a really good reframe and something I do often in lots of just different situations is, is this harmful or helpful rather than thinking like, oh, I'm, I'm so bad. I shouldn't have said that. Or um, this is really good. Just is this harmful or helpful? And I have a really good story. Many years ago, um, I had a friend um, that our sons were on a baseball team together and I hadn't seen her in a while. And I saw her and I was like, oh my gosh, you look so good. You lost weight. And she's like, I've been in my bed with severe depression. I wouldn't recommend this to anyone. And I just, it was like a dagger to my heart. In the case of your friend, you know that she's kind of been pursuing this. So I understand that you want to cheer her on and that's your personality and all for women supporting each other and feeling success. But I think the problem lies in that we don't know what's going on Mm -hmm. that is causing the weight loss. And we also don't know what behaviors they're engaging in that are going to reinforce this. So I have uh, a few clients with anorexia who are in very, very thin bodies, which anorexia can be in any shape or size of body. And when they hear comments about how thin they are, it really impacts them. It really bothers them because they feel like they're working so hard to um, restore their weight. And it can often to reinforce very disordered behaviors with food. So I think that rather than giving compliments on that is to compliment people that have nothing to do with their appearance. I think that builds self-worth and Mm self-esteem. And I have a really good quote for you. (laughs) So this is from Laura Thomas. She wrote the book, Just Eat It. It's really good. She said, diets and workout programs are promoted as being able to create body confidence, quote, unquote, and helping you to, quote, unquote, love yourself. But self-esteem doesn't work like that. It's a psychological, not a physical need. Worth that is based on what we look like is the most fragile foundation for self-esteem, and it cannot last. The other piece to that is we don't know how long the weight loss will happen because I see weight gain regain all the time. And so when someone is being cheered on and um, getting a lot of tension and praise because they've lost weight, what happens when the weight comes back and those compliments stop? How do they feel about themselves? And that I have had people crying in my office or in front of me because those compliments are gone. Yeah. And I've completely been there on, on both sides now that I think about it. Right. And how I fed off of the compliments or the just even comments about how I looked at a certain time in my life. And that fed to me wanting to continue to look that way in a non-healthy way. And then, yeah, I am just having the epiphanies, right? I think it's really important though. I think that's a great point to be thinking about or just mindful and telling ourselves, we don't know everything that's going on that led to this, right? And like you said, if there's a hard time going on, or if there is disordered behavior behind that as well. Interesting. So let's just say like this happens again. So yeah. what do you do? You um, say things like, I'm so happy to see you. You look so happy. What's going on? How's work going? Yeah. How are your kids? Like, tell me what's going on in your life and have conversations because uh, we have eyeballs and mm-hmm. we can see things 
Yeah. Um, and so to acknowledge that, take a breath and be like, okay, what am I going to talk about that doesn't like really feed into this? And then what if that comes up in the conversation? So then what if my friend was like, oh, you know, work is going great. I've actually lost some weight. And they start talking about that. Like, then what's the response? Do you just like move on and try to just go over that? Or do you acknowledge and say, I'm proud of you? I think you can say, I, you look happy. I'm glad you're so happy. And I think you can say you've always worked hard for things. Um, you can say you've always been such a good friend to me. Like I love you no matter what. Mm -hmm. Right. I think Mm -hmm. those are all more helpful things to say. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about this conversation as it relates to our kids for a minute before we have to go. I grew up with parents who are the best of the best. I've got to just say, love Steve and Diana to the ends of the world. And I look up to them for so, so many things. They both did diets and conversations around food really impacted me. And I just absorbed it for a really long time. Um, And it was in a negative way for me. And I've had to really be mindful to work to change that narrative in my own mind, but also in my own home around my son, who's a preteen, my daughter, who is seven years old. How do you suggest having conversations about food and weight and body image with our kids? Because whether it comes up from us or them, it will come up. (laughs) What do we do, Dev? Second, really uh, love this topic um, and could talk about it forever. Um, You're not alone. Like when I do an initial consultation, I ask people to tell me about their relationship with food growing up. So we really absorb what we witness from our parents, whether they said things or not, we see their behavior. Like kids will see their mom if she never eats ice cream or if she is always making a salad out of the ingredients for dinner. They notice and they pick up on that stuff. Um, So I'm going to give you some examples. So my kids are 13, 10, 7, and 4. And my two oldest know exactly what diet culture is. So Mm -hmm. The other day, my daughter came to me and she was saying, mom, I was watching YouTube and these girls were talking about clean eating and they stepped on one of those and she drew like a square in the air with her fingers and said one of those square things. And, and I said, a scale. And she said, yeah. And they weighed each other. And she said, is that diet culture? And I was like, yeah, thanks for telling me. Um, we were listening to general conference last general conference and there was a talk on a spiritual diet and my 13 year old was just like, joking. Oh, oh, mom, diet culture. (laughs) And so they know what it is. And, um, I think it's important to talk to kids about it and to tell them that their bodies will change for the rest of their lives. So, um, my 10 year old, um, came to me and was like, um, I think I need a new bra. This one is super uncomfortable. And I was like, okay, let's get you a bigger one. I said, and also your body's going to keep changing and that this is normal. This is mm-hmm. what bodies do. And so I think it's a really important question to ask how your relationship with food and body would be different today if you had been told from a young age that bodies change, mm-hmm. that you had known that and to embrace that. Um, and then when kids get really curious about things, you get curious back. Like if your kid comes to you with, um, questions about a diet or wanting to go on a diet or feeling bad about their body to ask questions and get curious back and to also embrace body diversity, the all bodies come, 
all healthy bodies come in different shapes and sizes. And that if you look around, there are so many different shapes and sizes of bodies and to recognize that as a really good thing. When you say get curious back, what do you mean? What would be a a question you would ask? Um, Like if a daughter came to their mom and was like, um, I felt like my stomach, I feel like my stomach feels fat and I want to go on a diet. And then I would say like, why do you feel like, why do you think your stomach is fat? And what do you think a diet is? And how do you think that is going to help you? Um, and to say to, to foster body autonomy, like you're, you know, what feels good in your body, you know, how to eat enough so that you have energy to run and dance and play golf or basketball or whatever your kids are doing to make sure that you have to have enough energy to do those things. And when you don't, it's going to impact your ability to do the things that you want to do in life. Yeah. We can't really change the culture. I mean, I feel like I'm trying. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to take a lot. Um, And so, but we can change our beliefs and we can change how we react to that environment. Yeah. And I think with most things, right, when we're trying to make a change, even with the things around us, it always starts with ourselves. Yeah. And so that change of recognizing diet culture, we may not be able to change all the voices around us and what people are going through, but we can change that narrative in our own space, in our own home. Right. Yes. And yes. Where can people follow along? Cause you have so much more. I mean, we're only spending 30 minutes on this and there's so much more about intuitive eating and how to talk to your kids and how to talk to others and how to be kind to yourself. And so where can we find all this information, Dev? So I'm really just on Instagram. <laughs> that is all my brain can ham- handle. So I'm happily fed on Instagram Um, on the link in the bio, I have, I write for KSL pretty regularly. So I have a lot of articles on there on what to do with diet talk and the problem with keto diet and intermittent fasting, like a lot of like debunking. Mm -hmm. Um, and then my website is happilyfed.life. Okay. And then you're also a counselor. If anyone's feeling like they need a little bit more help than that, where can they get a hold of you? Um, so I work in person at mindful counseling in Orem. And then all um, the information about working with me privately, individually is on my website. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. So many good things to be thinking about, to be working on. I really appreciate all your your time and just your thoughts today. Thanks for having me. That was fun. (laughs) All right, friends. I will see you back here next week for Courtney Beyond the Cake. Thanks friends for tuning in today. For show notes and other episodes of Courtney Beyond the Cake, head to cakebycourtney.com forward slash podcast. And for all things cake, remember you can find me over on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Cake by Courtney. And for all my recipes, products, information about my online classes, just head to cakebycourtney.com. New season, new wardrobe, and we're kicking off fall in style with Macy's VIP sale. Use your coupon or Macy's card and take an extra 30% off fall's biggest trends. Apple picking on the agenda, hello plaid and tall boots, and hey, maybe this is the season you try culottes. And our best brands like Ink, Kelvin Klein, and Tommy Hilfiger, yep, they're included too. Plus, get your glam on with 15% off the beauty brands you love. And Star Rewards members earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. Going on now at Macy's. Oh, 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 O'Reilly!
This is Derek's O'Reilly Auto Parts story. After the third time jump-starting my car, I finally realized my battery was dying. So I stopped by O'Reilly to have it checked. They tested it right there in the parking lot. It was bad, real bad. But they helped me find the right battery for my car and even installed it for free. Now my car starts like new. Oh, oh. 